Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's time. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly. Tall Friel. The mail is here. Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Uh, permit me to repent. That's right, right in front of you, Jimmy. I am so sorry that I yelled at you. I, I figured this was coming. <laughs> About time. Yeah. So, I didn't uh, yell at you. So you need to say 10 Hail Marys. That's not the way that it works. <laughs> You're just a, you know, somebody sent an email. Speaking of forgiveness, and it, I got it. I just have to tell you, I love it when people disagree, particularly when they're so godly about it. It's just, mm, it's such a joy. I, I mean, because first of all, you know, it's nice to not get snarky stuff, but second, just to see that people they've got a disagreement, and rather than being like, yeah, how dare you think this? Instead, just hey. Tell me where you're coming from on this deal, because I was reading this and I understand it. And if this is any indicator of how your pastor responds to individuals who bring challenges or critiques or concerns, we would do very well to be Pauline. This is why Paul tells Timothy that if you are going to confront an older man, particularly an elder, with a lot of respect, like a father, now, there's two reasons for that. One is it esteems the office. Two, it actually gets more done. It actually just it works better. So from a pragmatic standpoint, being respectful and um, pastor, I noticed that the church is not exercising any discipline ever. Now, there must be things that I don't know or understand. So Maybe these things happen in private. Could you kindly explain why it is that the, the congregation has never been informed about a church discipline issue? I, I would just, I'd love to know. That is so much better than, why are we doing discipline here? I don't get it. This is a good church. We're preaching the Bible. And yet, what do we just do? Ignore Matthew 18? Why are we? Which do you prefer to receive? This is a pragmatic approach, yes, but because it's a biblical approach, it is the best approach. And so I thank you for approaching questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, disagreements in such a godly way. It really is a joy to see that type of fruit. And the disagreement was on whether or not we should forgive somebody who doesn't repent. And this is a there is a debate and there is I, I will tell you, there is a difference of opinion on this. I'm pretty certain Dr. John Street, much smarter guy than I am. He's out at Masters University, biblical counseling guru. He wrote Passions of the Heart. If you struggle with pornography, you need to get that book because it will get into the heart of the issue, which is the issue of the heart. And Dr. Street is insistent that you don't grant forgiveness until they do ask for it. 
And the text that could be used for that would be if your brother returns to you 70 times 7. So the implication is they came back and said, oops, I did it again. You grant forgiveness. I, the other day, was saying, I think that we grant forgiveness even when there isn't a a willingness on the part of the offending party to ask for it. Because that is that is just the heart of forgiveness. Now, somebody would say, and this email, rightly, it's a great observation. God doesn't forgive everybody. They must come to him in repentance. And I say, you are exactly correct. But I would say that that particular argument has a weakness that God grants forgiveness even when we don't ask for that particular sin. He still covers us in the blood of Christ. Second of all, we also have to have faith. But that would be a little bit corny if we said to somebody, okay, you need to come to me and repent and believe in me. So for those reasons, I tend to fall on the side, and I could be persuaded otherwise, that that forgiveness should be granted even without the individual coming back. And as we mentioned, I believe this was last week, that doesn't mean that the that the, the relationship isn't marred and, and cannot be as good as it once was. It does take repentance for it to heal and for it to be- develop a stronger bond than what existed before if you can genuinely get past it. So maybe, just maybe, this would be the ground where we can all be happy. How's about this? We should have a heart of forgiveness. Uh, Whether somebody repents or not, my attitude is of a releasing, of a letting go. That's my desire. Now, if you happen to believe, well, no, there needs to be that transaction there. That's got to take place. Okay, I, I, I don't hold that position. But if you do, how's about those still encouraging, but our hearts should be like, yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as they say, hey, by the way, I forgiven. Because that should be our heart's posture, one of forgiveness. So keep them questions, comments, conundrums, snarks coming. And perhaps, I'm telling you, listen to Dr. Greg Gifford's Transform podcast. He deals with these issues. He deals with this one in particular this week. Oh, what was what was his take on it? <laughs> well, he's been, well, I'm not going to give it away. He's been talking about the... Uh, He's been talking about bitterness, and he's talking about practical ways to move forward in forgiveness this week. Now, what? but does he get into the issue of granting forgiveness even if the individual doesn't ask for it? I do believe he does. Oh, I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't agree with his boss, Dr. John Strait. <laughs> there are some issues that we can have some disagreements about, can't we? And I think this this certainly could be one of those. But it sure does seem lately like we struggle more than usual. And we've it's always been a struggle for those of us who are conservative. But it seems more lately it's it's getting harder. Anybody disagrees on virtually anything, and out come the fangs. And there are times for that to contend earnestly for the faith. There are times for that in dealing with false teachers. But we shouldn't be contentious with one another on issues. Nobody's going to go to hell if you happen to think that Dr. John Street is actually right. (laughs) Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks. So glad he doesn't listen to this program. To idea at wretched.org. So you're saying you did forgive me. 
for, oh, for that's that, right. That's that, where this all started. That time you yelled okay, at me. You said right before we began that I yelled at you. <laughs> did I yell at you? Uh, you kind of did. Okay, no, tell me I'm, what I. Tell I'm me joking. Did. You didn't yell at me. No, I, I did. However, sit on the studio furniture one no, time. No, that's a big no, no. And you said, Jimmy. And I said, what, Todd? And you made me cry a little, but you didn't. Okay, now wait a second. <laughs> now, this is actually important to me. And I know. Because this is what I, this is what I've noticed. And I've got this propensity, too. I think we all do. When we try to describe what somebody did, it tends to be pretty exaggerated. <laughs> it is. Right? I mean, you do your impression. Okay, so you just did an impression of me, and it was mm-hmm. Jimmy. Yeah. Did I really say it like that? You might have. But was it like but a, it was, Jimmy? No, 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 no. It wasn't like that. But I was I because I, I would do a Jimmy. No, like, I, I'm and I didn't sit down. I was on the way to sit down, and you were catching me. And you're ah, you know better. And like, oh, I, yeah. I didn't say you should know better, but you should have. <laughs> that's but that's you what, don't sit on studio furniture. That's true. I I signed that piece of paper that said I'd never sit on it. And look. <laughs> Do I need to bring out that piece of paper, mister? Please send whatever to ideaatretchen.org. All right. We start with Alexandra, who says, Todd, I've been married for over a year and life's been tough, but my marriage is a bright spot. Oh, good. Sometimes I feel like my husband can do no wrong. I realize I've made him an idol in my heart. How can I love him deeply without letting that love turn into idolatry? Yeah, well, it appears that it has. So what do you do when you cross that line? You repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I've had my priorities out of whack. I've taken a perfectly good desire and I've turned it into a need. I've turned it into a want. And you're good to repent of that for two reasons. Number one, if you don't, you will grow a root of bitterness. You will because that man ain't always going to be perfect. And when he does wrong, uh, you're going to be really, really mad because your idol will have broken your heart. Furthermore, you're going to start murdering because that's what James says. Why do we fight? Why do we quarrel? Why do we go to war? It's because we don't have what we want to have. I should say need to have. And so we go to war. But I think there, there's there's a third issue that would be a more positive take on it for your consideration. You do not currently love your husband as much as you will when you don't need him. That's a crazy statement, isn't it? I I think I initially took that from Rick Thomas, that you will not love rightly until you do not need the person. Why? Because your love, your kindness, your response, your laughter, your preparation of a meal, doing a chore for whatever it is, will have a string attached and it will have an expectation of a return favor and it will must be received because I'm I'm offering this to you. And if you don't receive it the way that I want, well, look out back to James 4 we go. You can't love somebody sacrificially, giving, doing, not to get in return, but just to genuinely give out of a heart of love until you do not need that person. Discuss. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries. 
very busy, saving babies, saving souls, would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. Please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Know your church fathers. Totian is known as Asia's first Christian theologian. He came from Assyria and studied under Justin Martyr before returning to prepare a path for the gospel into Western Asia. He wrote A Harmony of the Four Gospels. It was the primary gospel text in Syria throughout the 3rd and 4th centuries. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Everybody knows you're not supposed to sit on the studio furniture. Oh, we're back. Welcome back. <laughs> Lady to Wretched Radio. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. So here's the deal with me, air quotes, yelling at you. You weren't yelling at me. Well, I just want people to feel sorry for me. I just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want people to know how amazingly humble I am by being willing to talk about my desire to not sin. That when it, when it comes to tone and sharpness, I am so self-deceived about that. I, I, I know that I am because I, I, it's me. And, and what I say is exactly right. And sometimes, even if my heart is in the right place, what comes out of my mouth mm. doesn't necessarily match 
And the only way that I can know if I am crossing that line is if I ask. If I don't, I'm going to give myself a pass every single time. And and I can justify it. So let's just say, Jimmy, you are about to to sit on the studio furniture. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jimmy, what, what, what did you say that I said? You just said my name. Just Jimmy? Yeah. (laughs) Just like talking to a dog. Hey. (laughs) Hey, speaking of dogs. Yes, we're going down a rabbit trail. That wasn't a dog reference. Somebody sent it. Oh, I know. It was Jay from North Carolina. Sent sent an email about, hey, I think you kind of lightened up on the severe response of Jesus to the Syrophoenician woman, Matthew 15, Mark 7. Matthew 15 is the longer, more detailed encounter, but that 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 it that it was a pretty strong word that he said to her. And I, the 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 problem that I have with that, it it is a it, it to our 21st century ears, it definitely is a strong word to somehow, this is the assumption, there was an insinuation he was calling the woman a dog. Now I argued that it was just an illustration. No, like saying, well, you, I slept like a dog. I wasn't calling myself a furry animal. I was, it's just a saying. And if Jesus was calling her and using a pejorative to describe the woman, well, that would be sinful. And I think that's a problem, clearly. So he couldn't have been doing that. So I think that, for instance, my, my argument back, Jay, would be, and again, another smart, thoughtful email. Just, I just dig it so much because I'm so grieved by so much of the less than polite discourse amongst Christians that if Jesus said something like, you don't take children's food off of their plate and give it to the cat, nobody would go, how dare he call her a cat? They would have just gone, well, you don't give it to the house pet. And, And that's what he was referring to. Now, I do need in full disclosure, to say that there is a debate about whether or not Jesus was using the term house pet or not. Now, some people think yes, some people think no. Regardless, the illustration stands. I I think it was akin to a house pet, at least one that hung around. Probably wasn't an indoor pet, but would be one that would come and go, but probably sleep outside at night. Regardless, the, the reason that it still doesn't have that nasty descriptor behind it is because, well, people must have been feeding those dogs. That's what he was alluding to. It was it was simply to explain. It was a picture. He could have used anything if he had wanted to. Um, oh, um, okay, this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, you don't take computers from the employees and give them to people who don't work there. Are you calling us unemployed? No, just saying that you wouldn't do that in an office setting. So I still maintain that Jesus couldn't have been nasty with it. Now, that doesn't mean that it didn't. There was a lot going on. And Jay rightly pointed out that this was a test for the woman. I didn't bring that up. And Jay caught that. And he's absolutely right in that. It is. It was a test that Jesus was. I think Jesus was using it maybe as much for the disciples as for the woman. 
that it, that it was to pull out and to reveal. She kept calling him Lord, petitioning, pleading, please help my demon-possessed daughter, showing faith, even though Jesus appeared to be stiff-arming her, which is probably not a great descriptor, that he was in a conversation. Well, I'm just not going to respond right away. Let's, let's, let's just see how you respond to my lack of response. That's a better way to describe it. That, that he was doing that and she showed faith as a Canaanite, Gentile, a goy, as the Jews would say, a cur, a dog. It was for the disciples who were shooing her away. And it would appear that Jesus could have, it's funny, that Mark Hansen clip, that Bishop Emeritus of the ELCA that actually said that Jesus was being mean and terrible and troubling by calling her a dog. Wowza. That Jesus was teaching them a, a lesson about racism. Hansen was saying Jesus was being racist. That was his accurate a bishop in the ELCA calling Jesus racist. It very well could have been the, the disciples that Jesus was correcting. Yeah, because I know you call them dogs. Well, I'm calling her a different, I'm using a different dog phrase here. And it was revealing that they were the ones who really did want her to go away. He just didn't answer. When she came first, it was a petition. Would you please, Lord, that's interesting. Lord, please help my daughter. Jesus said nothing. That was not a rebuff. That wasn't racist. He just didn't respond to her request at the moment. The disciples did what? Just get this woman out of here. We don't deal with Gentiles. So if there was any racism that was going on in that scenario, it was the disciples. There was an ethnic derision in their tone. Ooh, why would we deal with somebody who isn't? one of the chosen people. And by the way, that is a reminder. The animosity between Gentile and Jew, it, it, if, if you had to pit all of the ethnic animosity battles that we've seen in every nation, on every continent, every single century, Jew and Gentile, probably the biggest one of all. And it's lasted centuries, hasn't it? You say, what's the point of that? I say Galatians 3.28. And Jesus pulls us together that we, we take, it's as if, okay, Jimmy, I'm going to go with this. It's as if we are, I'm going to a Vols game, Jimmy. A what? Vols. What is that? Vols? Was that how you say it? <laughs> Vols? Oh, like volunteer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess a volunteer would sound a little New Englandy, wouldn't it? Volunteer. The, the, the Vols. Going to yeah. go see the Vols game. It's as if. I were wearing orange going to the game and I came to my senses and became a bulldog fan. What am I going to do? I'm going to take off the orange and I'm going to put on the red new identity, not the greatest illustration ever, but <laughs> my identity before it could be a skin color. It could be a nationality. It, 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 it could be an attribute. That's my identity. Along comes Jesus and goes, not anymore. Now, you don't lose whatever that is. You don't suddenly not belong to a nation. But your identity is Christ. He's the one who's able to bring us together. And that is why the solution to the ethnic, increasing ethnic animosity, which is just a tragedy in this country, it's the Lord. Idea at wretched.org.
I wish you'd quit interrupting the mailbag. I'm, so, I'm sorry. This one is from. Did I yell at you? I'm sorry. <laughs> this one's from. Didn't want to make you feel bad. This one's from Jim. He says, Todd, uh, how do I approach my elder when uh, he doesn't think all chairs are made for sitting? Uh, no, I'm just joking. Oh, you. <laughs> you know what? The only thing, the only problem with that is your timing. We still have two minutes. You shouldn't <laughs> escaped on that note. <laughs> Seriously, this is from Bradford. Todd, I've been a Christian since 2004 and love hearing solid biblical teaching. I'm passionate about the truth and the word, but I struggle with the sinking part of worship. I usually just sit it out, fearing I'd be a hypocrite if I joined in. Am I sinning by not wanting to sing during worship? Singing? Uh-huh. What are you, from Jersey? Singing? <laughs> Singing. Well, I suppose you probably call the Tennessee football team the Vols, too. <laughs> oh. And I use a pen. He, does, he doesn't like to, well, I wish I knew a little bit more. Is it because he got a rotten voice? Uh, is, it sounds like he feels like he'd just be a hypocrite for singing God's praises. Don't confuse uh, now, not yet with hypocrisy. You're now a saint. I'm sorry, whether you're acting like one or not, positionally, you are a saint who still sins. Simul justus et peccator, simultaneously justified yet sinning. That is the Christian reality, I'm afraid. Now, that sinning should be decreasing, you should see, or decreasing, and you should see more increased victories. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. So that is a reality. But that doesn't mean hypocrisy. Hypocrisy would be if you said that, uh, if you didn't believe what you're singing, that would be hypocrisy. Or you said that you act this way, but you really don't. That's hypocrisy. Being a Christian who sins, that's reality. And one of the things, here's the twist, that is gonna help you to not sin, worship more. And that includes two things, singing and not sitting on the furniture. This is Wretched Radio. See what I did? And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, let's dive in today. A recent study tells us that more than 3,000 young individuals between the ages of 12 and 18 have undergone sex change surgeries. You know, it's it's a growing trend, and it's so sad that it is that we are actually sitting here talking about young people that aren't even old enough to vote and make decisions for the detriment or benefit of this country are able to make decisions that are irreversible to the detriment of their bodies. It just doesn't make sense. Well, down south, the Texas judge has decided that the porn age verification law that went into effect violates the First Amendment. So requiring someone to verify their age to watch pornography is infringing on free speech, but requiring someone to verify their age in order to drive a car, that's fine. And requiring someone to verify their age in order to buy alcohol or tobacco, that's okay. I'm not quite sure he read the First Amendment quite right. Anyway, a federal judge has also recently declared that banning handguns for Americans under the age of 21 is unconstitutional. The ruling emphasized that the government didn't quite do their homework when they weren't able to provide enough evidence to justify the age-specific ban. They just thought asking for the ban was enough. Uh, yeah, so it's okay for the 18-year-old to serve in the military, use firearms that way, but they shouldn't be able to have the right to bear arms for self-defense. 
Again, it just doesn't make sense, but not much in this country does anymore, does it? Which is why we go to Germany now, the land of philosophers and poets and weird energy policies. <laughs> the country has decided to dismantle its wind farms and expand recently closed coal mines. So they shut down nuclear reactors in a bid to go green, and then they realized um, that didn't work. So we need to go back. <laughs> Not the definition of renewable energy there, is it? And finally today, this is something that we all saw coming, at least those of us with common sense. Many college students appear to be stuck at the ninth grade math level. According to the professors, because of the pandemic, and the recent study echoed that sentiment, revealing that a 20% increase in college students needing remedial math courses. Yep, when you pull kids out of school because of, well, I'm not going to go down that road, but when you pull kids out of school, this is what happens. And like I said again, most of us saw it coming. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio, straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1870. Pope Pius IX proclaims a doctrine of papal infallibility. Though the authority of the Pope had been established for centuries, the teaching that the Pope's teaching is divinely inspired and infallible is a very recent invention. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Have I got an alternative for you? This is Wretched Radio. If you happen to be staring down the health insurance barrel and you are groaning because you're going to have to figure out what do we do? Could we change? What do we get in November when it's open enrollment month? That barrel can be removed because every day is enrollment day at MediShare. Would you please call them if you're dealing with the health insurance blues? <laughs> please Take two minutes out of your day and give them a call at 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's affordable biblical health sharing. Average family saves $500 per month. Average. Their ratings, high. Teladocs. Please check out MediShare by calling them, finding out how much your family will save. Or you can visit MediShare.com slash wretched. MediShare.com slash wretched where every day is enrollment day at MediShare. All ben, right. ben Shapiro would have been pretty proud of that spot right there. I think he would have. That was pretty pretty good right there. But I didn't, I didn't Ben Shapiro it. What did you not do? Um, okay. If you have a question, comment, conundrum, or snark, you know, maybe you're snarking about health insurance. <laughs> That's Ben Shapiro right yeah. there. Mm -hmm. He's still got some room to grow. Don't we all? <laughs> all right. This one is from Derek. Todd, is it biblically justified for a church to require elders, deacons, and teachers to hold premillennial views, or is this adding to scriptural requirements? Boy, that's two major questions. <laughs> Should they? Uh, are they adding to? Well, uh, when we're talking about a, a deacon and an elder, these are offices where I think that there should be some unity because if the elders are indeed supposed to correct, even rebuke, got to be on the same page. Now, can there be some issues where we get to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, that we can overlook. Uh, you know, I, at the risk of sounding inconsistent, I think, yeah, because they're just not that big of a deal. What about eschatology? 
does that rise to that level where there should be unity? There's another consideration, and that is just the workability. For instance, I think we would all agree on the elder board. Could you have somebody who is pedo-baptism versus believer's baptism? going to be a problem. Oh, everybody's gone. So um, believer's baptism guy, you've got to baptize the baby. Well, no, I don't get it. Just it just would become very unworkable. Doesn't mean that either party is a heretic. I just don't think you can function with that sort of disagreement. So whilst I think eschatology is super important and the outworkings of it, especially these days, are increasingly important, I think I'd leave it up to the individual church, their discretion their wisdom. Uh, Every church has different considerations. And I think that we would be wise to not try to make some sort of an ironclad, yes, these are all of the things that you should have. Now, the essentials, we agree those boxes need to be checked. Secondary, tertiary, where does eschatology fall? I would say that it can be challenging. It can be a problem when it comes to Sunday school, the teaching, the filling the pulpit. What if the verse you're you're in First Thessalonians and clearly promoting pre-trib dispensationalism, and the individual elder disagrees? They're a post. They're they're going to struggle. There, there's going to be some complexities to the outworking of it. And so my 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 bent, if I were sitting, would be to say, you know, maybe we need just need to wait until you're on the same page. Would I be willing to make that a law? Ooh, you're right. Because who was it that asked this question, Jimmy? Uh, Derek. Okay, it's a smart question because he said, "Are we adding to Scripture?" And that really is the litmus test question. For instance, who should be allowed church membership? Let's go take a look at the New Testament. By the way, Jimmy, mm-hmm. I got I got to check this out. I was reading Acts chapter two. And I, this is this is the big Pentecost scene. How do you envision those tongues of of fire coming down from from the heavens? What it, what what does that look like? Do you kind of describe the visual you have in your mind? I, I, mm. Just paint the picture. You're in Jerusalem. Yeah. You, you're you're maybe in a square where there's you know buildings and commerce going on, and all of, and a bunch of people there from all over the nations, and all of a sudden, boing, comes down the fire. Well, it does appear that those tongues of fire were inside of the house where the disciples were meeting. Now, I don't know if there's any other verses that would say that, that it happened elsewhere. You'd also have to go read Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, 10, and 19. I think those are the the four areas where we see tongues. But in Acts chapter 2, it appears that it's in the house on the disciples, not everybody. That, if I'm accurate, has some implications. But back to Derek's smart question about what what are the criteria for becoming an elder? Well, what were the criteria for becoming a member of the church? They got baptized. Peter preached. 3,000 people baptized, added to the church that day. I doubt they sat there and said, now, let's talk about your eschatology. So we're confronted with that. I know we're dealing with historical narrative. But if you look at admission into the church, the way it's presented in the book of Acts, you don't see a theological exam. 
So if you are going to have those theological criteria, which for sure the essentials, but how how deep you dig into the secondary and tertiary, you just need to know that that's not what we see in the book of Acts. Now, I didn't say you can't do it. I'm just saying you are starting to tread into ground that maybe should be considered a little bit more carefully I, I because there are problems with going too deep. But somebody, they yep, they believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They believe that they've been made born again. They've repented and put their trust in Jesus Christ. They believe in the Bible alone. They, they, they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But they believe that in Acts chapter 2, that the tongues of fire actually fell on the whole crowd. Versus house. You're not going to let him in? Why not? Why? Why would you overlook that and not that? Look, I'm not trying to write a rule book here because that's exactly my point. There isn't a rule book for it. I think it is wise to work through these things. I think you can stave off a lot of problems. But as long as we're talking about entrance into the church, there's two ways to approach it. You can make the argument, and I think powerfully so, we just don't see that sort of thorough examination in the New Testament. Therefore, if somebody professes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcomed, you're in. And then if we run into difficulties, then we will sort those out. And if the person has some wonky theology, we'll even discipline them on that if necessary. They might not be able to come a deacon or elder. They might even need to be set outside of the church. But if they're genuinely born again, They'll go, just like Apollos, okay, thank you, I get it, I'm changing my tune on that. Now, along the way, could it cause some problems? Yeah, it could. could cause difficulties, confusion in the body. The other approach staves that off. Well, we're not going to let that confusion in. We just won't let that person become a member, certainly not somebody who teaches or becomes a deacon or an elder, until that gets sorted out. So, no. I, I see the I see the power in both, and that is why I think that there should just be liberty inside of each local church to sort that out. Jimmy, you got more to add to that? It's a tough conversation. It it's is, a good one, though. It is a good conversation. I, I lean more toward wanting to maintain unity, and so um, and and see and I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree with it. But being a member of a church is a privilege. I wasn't taken aside. I, I know you weren't. I know it just what 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 you were saying um it it makes sense both sides of it. Okay, here okay. So here's a powerful statement. You're going this will probably resonate with you that we should make the front door of the church harder to get into and the back door easier to get tossed out of. And you go, yeah, yeah, that's right. We have purity of the church and I I feel the power of that. But what you need to ask is, was that the attitude of the apostles? Was that the attitude in the early church? So I, 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 feel, I feel both of those, and that is why it just needs to be lovingly considered. And the reason, this should make you happy, Jimmy, that I would say it's probably wise to have all of the elders on the same page with eschatology is it's taught enough in the scripture that... The Bible studies that get done, 
it could just cause division. And it doesn't mean that I would kick the person out. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't even let that person be a member of the church. But if they're going to be in a teaching role, a rebuking role, a correcting role, I I would strive for higher unity among the elders because they're not, they shouldn't be new to the church anyway. So a lot of that stuff should have been sorted out. So I think there's a difference between church membership and qualifying for that church's office of elders or deacons. Got a difference of opinion? I suspect you might. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. And I want to take just a moment to celebrate our amazing gospel partners. You know who you are, standing firm with us like a well-rooted tree, helping us to reach millions all over the world. We know we're not Hollywood around here, but I'm pretty sure you would probably prefer the compelling, efficient, and sound productions we produce to Hollywood. Because, hey, you know, we don't blow your generous gifts on fancy jets or expensive wardrobes or anything like that. No, 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. We're ECFA approved, which means it's a verifiable fact you can check for yourself. We're so accountable we could teach a masterclass on it. Listen, Gospel Partners, thank you for keeping the lights on and helping us to spread the amazing gospel to millions all over the world. And if you're not a Gospel Partner yet, well, why not join the coolest club in the camp? Just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Books of the Bible. The book of James is much like Proverbs for the New Testament, employing a concise and memorable style with a simple yet profound message. 
Christians should think and act like Christians. It is very easy to understand, but exceptionally difficult to obey. This ought to lead us to repentance and a fresh reliance upon the grace of God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. There are two types of people in the world. We're going to discover what type Jimmy is. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, there's two types of people. Okay. They love or loathe surprises. Which one are you? (laughs) I sit in the middle because it depends on the surprise. It's a good surprise. I think it's a good surprise. Okay. It's a good surprise. Then I like them. Good. Then you're going to love the surprise I'm about to spring on you. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Peters mm-hmm. and I were talking about doing a new resource on discernment, and we are going to do that. But we didn't communicate for a little bit, and I made some other plans, and I, uh, and he was, I thought, coming in for G3 that week, and we could figure out what, well... Needless to say, we kind of got our calendars crossed. And I'm going to be in St. Paul, Minnesota, when Justin is going to be here, actually at your church. Correct. Jimmy. Correct. Okay, go ahead. Tell everybody about what that event is. Oh, it is a uh, conference on um, um, uh, the sufficiency of Scripture. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Okay, that's good to know. All right, that's good. That's good to know. So that's going to happen on Saturday, and then he's going to preach on Sunday. Is that the sixteenth and seventeenth? The seventh, yeah, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. Okay, yeah. so yeah. I'm going to be in St. Paul on September seventeenth at Faith Bible Church, mm-hmm. and he's going to be here. And it's like, oh, we can't do anything. So I, not wanting to miss the opportunity to work Justin like a Grand Canyon mule and get some stuff out of him, guess who's going to be hosting the show while I'm gone. Uh, who? Who do you think? Me, Justin. <laughs> Justin, that was. <laughs> and Jim Osman, okay, is going to be here, so you can straighten him out on that whole Lego <laughs> issue that he seems to be so hung up on. So they're issue. they're going to be in, and they're they're going to record a number of shows, and they're going to be they're going to be hosting whilst I'm in. I'm hoping looking better St. Paul than it was last time I was there. That's going to be a treat. And guess what I get to do? I get to be with the Martys. In oh, St. In, oh, okay, yep, going to going to see him in Egan. We might be at the Cinderblock bunker in the middle of a field at KKMS. We're going to be talking about tomorrow clubs while wow, there's some hoofda. The There are currently in Af- tomorrow clubs this ministry. It just it's just staggering because they're in Eastern Europe. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids clubs where they come together every single week in conjunction with a local church. It's beautiful. Well, for some reason, I don't, I think it might've been because their son does some ministry work in Africa. They decided let's give it a go in Africa in Zimbabwe. They current like boom over. They've got 5,000 kids that run to get to the Tomorrow Clubs every week. 5,000 kids are hearing the gospel, hearing good Bible teaching every single week. Just amazing. So I'm going to be there talking to them about that. Very excited to see those guys. By the way, if you're interested in supporting Tomorrow Clubs, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. And whilst I'm gone, please enjoy surprise hosts, Justin Peters and Jim Osmond. <laughs> Glad you didn't get yeah. testy about that. Uh, well, we still have time. Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole the whole studio is going to have to be a little bit reconfigured, isn't it? Uh, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, we move on. Um, this is uh, from Terry, 
Todd, um, what do you think about a boss who doesn't give his employees chairs to sit in? Uh, no, I'm just playing. Oh, I thought that the rift had been made. <laughs> no, this is, uh, he says. You t- know what forgiveness really is? <laughs> What's that? It's, it's, an, it's a promise to not bring it up again. Well, but you know what, Jimmy? I, I'm willing to forgive you okay. for not forgiving rightly because <laughs> that's the way I am. That's your interpretation. Sure. <laughs> now, this is from Terry. Seriously, he says, Todd, I'm a licensed funeral director and recently heard your episode talking about alkaline hydrolysis. I agree that it is not the most respectful method. But what is your take on this growing trend of human composting yeah. or recomposition? Yeah, I, well, you can't call it a sin. We just don't have a Bible verse that says this is the way that you are to deal with a body that has passed hopefully into glory. We do see a lot of talk about burial. In fact, we see burial and we see burning bodies, but it's always the pagans that burn bodies. It's always in the Old Testament, Jewish people and, of course, Christians that bury bodies because it's 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 really theological. It points to a future hope. And it also has a higher anthropology, this, per, this subject that is increasingly important for our consideration these days. How do we treat the human body? I think we Christians can even think like, well, spiritual stuff is better than physical. Well, in one sense, because Paul says that physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise, far more valuable. But that doesn't mean that the body is not valuable. Clearly it is. Jesus has a body, we will have a resurrection body. And so I think burial speaks a better word in that regard. But I, 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 you, you can't call the composting and the, the what ultra alkaline hydrosis or whatever it is. Yeah. It, you can't, can't, I, I just, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a sin. I would try to encourage a better word. Idea at wretched.org. Todd, this is uh, this is from Amanda. Todd, I uh, realized I struggle with religious scrupulosity. Sometimes I'm so confused about what's actually a sin that it's hard to discern what's godly behavior. Yeah. How do you address this issue? Yeah, it's common is what I would start with. You should know that you're not flaky. So I'm glad you wrote because I suspect out of the tens and tens of people listening, somebody's going, yeah, tell me about this because I deal with this all of the time. And it can manifest itself in a gazillion ways. You, 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 you analyze something perhaps repeatedly, constantly tilting on the side of I can't, I shouldn't, that's wrong. So it's an obsessing over a correct behavior or even correct believing. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Shouldn't we? And the answer is yes. How then do we tip the ball? How do you settle the score? You can't listen to your heart. If you're one of those individuals, for whatever reason, you dosed, you just rent over and over and over again. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. And, and, and it starts to paralyze. Well, then you're probably, you're too scrupulous. But you still need an arbiter. So when you're feeling that way, go to the courtroom and ask the judge, is this a sin or isn't it? And that courtroom is the Bible. You say, I have read my Bible. I still can't sort it. Then you need to go to somebody in your church who is perhaps older, more experienced, more theologically learned than you currently are, and ask them. And if they use the word to say, oh, no, that's not a sin, you can enjoy that liberty. God allows you to do that. Not not only can you do it, you can actually enjoy doing that. 
And if they're using the word to support it, well, then you need to override your scrupulous, repetitious examination and say, gavel's been slammed. It's done. And those feelings are going to come back and you go, no, God's word said that that guy at church, he pointed out for me in first Peter. There it is right there. Now I'm done with that. And you must override your sense of scrupulosity with the word. And as you do that more and more and more, I think you'll experience scrupulosity less and less and less. Please note, this is not uncommon. Idea at wretched.org. You know, I just realized something. Mm, I can hardly wait. No, <laughs> I realized just now why, why you stand during the show. Okay. You're a good boss. You would never ask an employee to do something you wouldn't do. <laughs> you are determined. <laughs> but if it were a... No, forget it. <laughs> All right. This is from Elizabeth. She says, Todd, our church has a couple uh, who appear to be universalists saying things like everyone is saved. They just don't know it yet. Does this mean our church isn't taking sin seriously because they have allowed them to join? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Now we go back to our aforementioned debate. Do you, who do you let in? Well, see, that to me, though, that, that's like a basic thing. Mm. So, I mean, there's got to be some level of, well, we'll call it interrogation, examination if somebody comes. If somebody comes and goes, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't think that because we don't see a thorough examination in the book of Acts that we go, okay, fine. Come on in. Here you go. You're, you're now a member of this church. I think that there are certain things that need to be understood that that they are. Here's, you know what, Jimmy? I think I might be onto something here. If we read the sermon that Peter preached and people got saved, what did they hear? So if they were professing, yes, yes, baptize me, they were affirming everything Peter preached. What did Peter preach? That Jesus was the promised Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You crucified. He rose again. So there. They did. It would. There wasn't an examination per se, but they affirmed a statement of faith that Peter had just delivered. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having some sort of an examination to say, "Well, tell me, do you believe that Jesus Christ is a way or the way?" And if somebody says, "Oh, he's a way," or everybody gets gets to go to heaven from, through Jesus, even though they don't believe in him, hold the hold the membership phone, Henrietta. That's sorry, we got a problem. We need to sit and discuss that. And we need to get that corrected because that wouldn't be an indicator that if you had heard the sermon of Peter, you would have gone, oh, good, everybody's saved. Everybody's good to go. And you wouldn't have not have been brought into the church because you didn't affirm Peter's presentation of a theological document via a sermon. Jimmy, Ooh, I think we just discovered that there, 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 there can be a little examination that goes on. How deep? <laughs> Until tomorrow, go serve your king.